Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. We've been in a series called Frequently Asked Questions and looking at some of the some of the interesting questions that people ask and common questions. And my heart is that we are a church that answers questions the world is asking and that we are relevant. You know, Jesus was really relevant. So, uh, he really was. When he spoke to, to his uh, audience, he spoke in ways that connected with them, like agriculture and uh, he used pictures and stories. He, was really, he really connected. You know, our, our message never changes, but our methods certainly do, don't they? And so we want to be a church that is uh, touching our culture. And uh, we've had some, I think, I actually felt this week, I changed my preparation around this week in what I was going to do uh, in, in the question I was going to answer. And I sort of cheated in this series and um, put a question in myself. And, uh, I'll tell you why, because it was, who was here last week? That was fantastic from Rod last week. Thank you, Rod, for bringing that word. It was really good. Um, on a really difficult subject. And, and um, see, next week there's another difficult subject coming and so I thought I'd do the right thing and do a light subject this morning to give you a, bra- a breather. Not that they're heavy in a bad way, they're heavy in a good way, a, a weightiness about them. Next week we're actually going to be looking at how uh, losing your salvation and can you, a Christian lose their salvation and some questions around when you, when you don't feel close to God. So don't miss next week. So, but today uh, there's a lot happening in life. Who knows at the moment there's just generally a lot happening in life in, at the end of the year with school, with, uh, if you've got kids in school, just the end of the year stuff. Everything's busy and it's like a lot going on and so it is with church. I want to answer a couple of questions, about uh, one question, sorry, about what's going on and not in like, what's going on? But rather, what's going on? Because uh, uh, there's a few questions that we get uh, in church about what's happening in the life of the church. And I'm going to hit on three key areas this morning about what's happening. And uh, I think it will bless us. Uh, uh, it'll be good for us. The title this morning is God's work in you, around you, and through you. Three segments. In, around, and through. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at two verses. Philippians 2, chapter 12, says this. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Paul writing to this, these believers in Philippi, and he says, I know you've, uh, you, you're obeying not just in my, while I'm there watching you, but in my absence. That you, and he says this to them, Continue to without your salvation with the trembling. Then he says in verse 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. Uh, I love the movies, the Matrix movies, if you like the Matrix. And, um, uh, you know, how do you say it? Nemo? No, how do you say his name? Neo. Call him Nemo. There's another, that's, that's another one of my favourite movies, Finding Neo, Nemo. Neo. And who knows, who knows Neo? Uh, where in the movie, I love where he sits in the chair and they reprogram him. They program him with all these programs and then what I love though, they, they put it all in him and then when he comes out and he's got to face his enemy, he didn't realise how much stuff was in him and he starts to, to use what was in him, starts to come out of him, the fighting techniques, all the stuff he's learned. He's like, wow, look at all these awesome powers I have and I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a Christian, God has worked in you so that you can work it 
out what he's already given you. In the scripture here, it says, it says, work out your own salvation, work out your salvation. But the way you do that is not to work for your salvation. You simply work out, in verse 13, what God has already worked in. So this is a church of workouts. Hey, we want to all be, we should have a workout going on. But what you work out is what God has already worked in, if that makes sense. Salvation is a done deal. You are completely saved if you've trusted Jesus and follow him. It's not a doubt about it. You are his child. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are blameless. You are holy in his sight. And God has worked salvation in you. But there is a part to play to partner with the Holy Spirit as you work out what he's worked in. Uh, God wants to do something in you so it gets out of you. He wants you to work out the healing that's already taken place in you. He wants you to work out the deliverance that's already taken place in you. He wants to work at you to work out the freedom that's already taken place in you because when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. But I don't feel free. No, work it out. You are free. Um, and so that's a little bit what we're talking about this morning, in you, around you, and through you. So the first thing I want to hit on is that um, we've got something coming up soon uh, in about four weeks. We're having a baptism Sunday. So I'm talking about in you, God wants to do something called baptisms. I'll never forget my baptism. I'll never forget it. I loved it. You know, I, I gave my life to Jesus as a 10-year-old. Uh, and at that time, uh, baptism uh, just, for, I don't know, wasn't on my radar. But I, I sort of went away from the Lord a little bit, got, got a bit backslidden and and not really walking on fire for the Lord. But when I turned, when I turned back to God at about 18, 19, straight away as I, as I turned back, there was just this, this conviction that I need to get baptised. And I remember going to a baptism class and, um, and there was a lineup of 30 people to get baptised in one hit at a church service. And I was number 30. I was like waiting the whole time. And it was just so, so powerful. It was something that when God works in you, baptism. And I just want to say that on the 27th of November, so in four weeks' time, we already have some getting baptised, but I want to speak for a few moments about the importance of baptism. I'm passionate about baptism. It's a, it is a huge priority in the life of a believer to be baptised. And uh, 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 even if you've been baptised, don't tune out now, because as believers, guess what? You are called to go into all the world and make disciples, baptising them. Like a good question to ask yourself, if you, uh, God, who, who have I baptized lately? That's not a condemnation, by the way. That's not a condemnation, but it's often something we don't think about, do it. But God calls us, not preachers, not pastors, but believers to go out and make disciples, to lead people to Christ and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And on Sunday, this Sunday, we're actually going to do something different. So I'm giving you the heads up now. We're going to have church. The church, by the way, on that day is going to leave the building. The real church is walking out of the church, okay? We're going to leave. We're not going to have church here. We're going to actually have a church service at Tim and Anita Peters' place in Pickering Brook, just 10 minutes or less down the road. And it's going to be outside around the pool. And we're going to have a baptism celebration service. And I have decided Sunday for people that want to get baptized. And uh, we'll have somebody here to direct people in case there's new people coming. And hey, where's, where's the church going? We've got a pretty small church here, not many people. And we'll direct them and give them maps and get them down. So I just want to give you that heads up that that's going to be happening. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized and you're a believer, uh, the question you might ask is, do I have to be baptized? Great question. Do you, I have to be baptized in water? And the answer is, 
No, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. (laughs) You've got a free will from God. You don't have to be baptised. Believers get to be baptised. It is a great blessing and a great privilege. And so let me give you a couple of thoughts on it. What is baptism? Water baptism. Number one, it is a public declaration of a personal decision to follow Jesus. So it's publicly declaring. That's what I loved when I, when I was 18, 19 and I got baptised. I, I just couldn't wait to tell all my friends, all my non-Christian friends that I was getting baptised. They honestly thought I was on something, man. And they were like, well, is you know, if you saw the life I was living before that, to then I'm telling them, come to church, I'm getting baptised. And I, my footy team come along, it was fantastic. They were just standing around looking and just like, what is going on here? All these crazy people singing, Brad getting up there, getting dunked in water. Anyway, it was a public decision of a personal faith that that you have in Jesus. The Greek word baptizo is to immerse, to submerge, and that's where we get that, that word from baptism. So it is to be physically, baptism is when you are put underwater and submerged completely underwater and come up out of the water. Uh, That's uh, physically what it means. And John the Baptist, the first, he wasn't a Baptist pastor, by the way. He was just John the baptizer. He was baptizing people, the Bible says, at the River Jordan. He had a ministry down there, but he he needed a ministry close to water because his ministry was on fire. There were people wanting to get baptized, and so he would take them to the Jordan River, and as they would confess their sins, that I'm a sinner in need of saving, he would baptize them for the remission of their sins, um, going into the water. That's why we believe it is full immersion, because it's biblically speak, biblical baptism, uh, you'll see it even more in a moment, is when you are baptized as a, number one, a believer who is, fo- who, who is following Jesus, someone who's decided, and number two, that it's full immersion. Now, over history, there have been lots of um, different traditions that have happened in baptism. So before I go there, I'm going to say this. Uh, I've got a screen on the uh, uh, next verse, Romans 6, 4, before I go there. says, uh, so this is what is baptism. Again, it is identification with what Jesus has done for you. So it says this. Uh, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will will certainly also be united with him in resurrection, in the resurrection like his. See the pictures there. We we symbolise, identify with Jesus when he died on the cross for you. And then he was buried in a tomb. When you go down into that water, you are identifying that what Jesus has done for you, the gospel, that you are dead. Your old life is dead. You are forgiven. As you go in there, you died with him. He died, died the death you couldn't die. He took your place on that cross. And, and as you're under the water, it's a symbol that you are dead and buried. more, the old you is gone. And as you rise out of the water, that's how I know that... Um, Biblical baptism is full of immersion in water because it always says they came up out of the water. When John baptised Jesus, he came up 
out of the water. And so he comes up out of the water, representing the resurrection raised to a new life. The old you is dead and buried. For me, the day of baptism, man, it was a symbol for me to let go of some stuff. It was a symbol for me to say goodbye to the old Brad. It was a, it was a way that I could say, that's not me anymore. I remember that moment in my life where I got baptized. It didn't make me a Christian. It simply symbolized what had happened in my life already from God. And you live a new life. It's identification with Jesus. Um, So why should you be baptized? If that's what it is, it's for believers. Why should you be baptized? Well, not just because I'm telling you, not because you feel compulsion, because you have to. Here's a few good reasons why. Uh, Number one, uh, Jesus commanded us to be baptized. He actually didn't suggest it. He commanded a believer to be baptized baptized and and he says if you love me you'll obey my commands again not out of oh I have to get baptized but I want to get baptized because I want to obey his commands um it is a command in the bible uh it's a bit like obedience is to faith you know how James says faith without works is dead uh you know, but faith with works comes alive it's a little bit like that to salvation being baptized doesn't make you a better Christian Being baptized doesn't get you to better with God or anything like that. The thief on the cross was not baptized and he's probably got a mansion bigger than mine in heaven. So he didn't have to get baptized. It wasn't for his salvation, but baptism was from his salvation. I reckon if he had time, he would have, but he just didn't have that time that we have today. Um, So it is something that we do after salvation once we have believed out of obedience uh, to Jesus. Another reason, a great reason to get baptized, as I said before, is it is a testimony, a testimony of the God's work in your life, in you. And uh, for me, like I said, man, I go, I go back to that time in 1999 and I can remember it crystal clear. I can remember that day. If you've been baptized, can you remember that day? Put your hand up. You can remember the time where you were and you remember that moment. And for me, it's a real powerful milestone in my journey where I really got serious with God. And I really wanted to make that, that, that step. And in front of family and friends, you know, baptism is a great opportunity. I hope on the 27th, if, if God's prompting you to be baptized, that you'd invite your family and friends, that they would see the gospel in your life. Baptism isn't for perfect people, by the way. It's not, actually, I'm getting to my next point. Uh, I'll go there now. When? When should you be baptized? The, the answer is after salvation. The only requirement to get baptized biblically is to believe in Jesus, to, to follow him. There's no other requirement. It's not when I cut down to half a pack a day, I'll get baptized. It's not when I'm, you know, well, whatever it looks like for you. I don't know. It's not getting your life holy enough to be baptized. It's not getting everything in order. It's actually not about being perfect. It's about being obedient and saying, I want to be baptized and follow in Jesus' footsteps. It will also be a powerful moment for you where I really believe, again, not for your salvation, but from baptism. You experience a special open heaven over your life. See, when Jesus went and got baptized, it wasn't for the forgiveness of sins. He didn't need that. But he showed us a way to fulfill all righteousness. And the Bible says that John baptized him when he came up out of the water and the Spirit descended on him as, like a dove and the heavens opened and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
Now, God says that over you no matter what. If you follow Jesus, he loves you. But when you get baptized, there's just that special public declaration, a power of God, an open heaven, a blessing of God that comes upon you in a special way. I can't really even describe it, but I've experienced it. And it's a powerful thing when you go public with your faith. Uh, All through the book of Acts, in the early church, we see the when of baptism. And this is really important, I think, for today's Uh, where we are today the when of baptism is people were baptized immediately after they were saved once they believed in Jesus and became a Christian immediately again they didn't wait to get things in order that they they were baptized straight away and in the bible uh, in the early church baptism and salvation are so closely linked that some denominations have said you're not saved unless you're baptized now they get that from one verse where it says in Mark 16 that those who believe and are baptised will be saved. Um, but that then goes on to say it's that the main point in that context there is the believing, not the baptising. But the thing is, I can understand how they could get hung up on that. You know why? Because all through the book of Acts, they believed and were baptised. It's so closely linked. It was the natural thing. Whereas sort of today, we've got this thing like, come and give your life to Jesus. And then, you know, when you're really serious... Get baptized. <laughs> it's like you're really getting serious now. But it's not, it never is like that in the Bible. Um, Acts chapter 2, when the early church was born and, uh, and Peter's address, he said to them, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized. Again, so closely linked. Uh, the Ethiopian official in Acts chapter 8, remember that guy? I preached on him. I, lo- I really love that sermon. That's one of my favourite of my sermons I liked. Anyway, and that Ethiopian official, and, and he gets, um, Philip preaches Jesus to him. He believes in Jesus. They're driving along the road in the chariot, man, and they see water, and the, the Ethiopian official goes, uh, There's water. What hinders me from being baptised? And he says, well, nothing hinders you. And you know the content. He had a lot of things that could have hindered him. But no, he went down and immediately... So what does that tell you? This, when the gospel was preached in the book of Acts, they preached salvation and be baptised. So, and so he went down and was baptised and, and in water right there, right then. He could not wait. He could not wait to express his faith. So let me ask you a question. What hinders you from being baptised? And there are hindrances, aren't there, from being baptised for some of us and... I want to, again, I want you, I want people to be baptized, not because Brad says, but because, because the word says. In, in, um, that's what happened in Acts chapter 19. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, there are a group of believers. And when they went to them, they said, oh, have you been, uh, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they said, another baptism. And they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And then he, Paul says back, well, what were you baptized in? And they answered and said, oh, we'll baptize into John's baptism. And then he goes, oh, John's baptism was for the remission of sins. Um, you need to be baptized in Jesus. Now, catch this. Some people, what hinders them from being baptized is that maybe their tradition that they grew up with didn't do baptism biblically the way I'm presenting it today. For example, sprinkling. Um, for example, as a baby, baby baptisms. And for some people, what holds them back from being baptized when they come to Jesus is the tradition of maybe a denomination. 
And I'm not here to condemn that tradition or say it's wrong or anything like that. All I will say is biblical baptism is full immersion of the full body underwater. And it's not about so much getting the method right. It's about the heart. Hear me well there. It really is about the heart. But some people just feel like they would, you know, this would discredit my family history. This would discredit that denomination. That Maybe they feel like it's not, that wasn't valid. Because I know stories. I know a story of a pastor. And he grew up in a Presbyterian church and he was um, baptised as an infant and um, he, his sister got saved as a Christian and she wanted to get baptised and she went to the family dinner table that night and he, he tells a story where she said, uh, uh, Dad, um, I want to get baptised, I'm following Jesus. And he said, you could hear crickets, man. It was like, this is, the room was still because he had a strong Presbyterian history. And he looked back at his daughter and he said, you don't need to get baptized. You were already baptized. But God had convicted her in her heart that it wasn't her decision then. She was, she was a child. She was a baby. And, and, and that's great to, con, um, to sort of commit them to the Lord or what, whatever it is. But that, she was like, no, I, I want to be baptized the way I see it in the Bible. And so you can imagine the, the journey that went on. For some people, that can hold them back. And I, I've recognised that as very valid. That it, It's a hard step to go, gee, I've, maybe I haven't been baptised. And these people in Acts 19, they had been baptised. But Paul said, no, no, you need to be baptised. You need to be baptised. That wasn't baptism. This is what it is. Does that make sense? Thank you. So, so, so I want to encourage you, no matter what holds you back, whether it's pride, whether it's fear, um, to go to God and say, if, if he's prompting you, you've never been baptised, it is an awesome thing you get to do. Not something you have to do to be saved, but as you, if you're in the book of Acts, read through it and just see the power and importance of a public commitment to Jesus. It really is powerful um, for that. So lastly, before I move on to our, not just in us, but we're going to go to around us and through us, um, how, how to be baptised? Well, do you know anyone can baptise you? You know, another believer, not anyone, another believer, maybe a mentor or somebody, is up to you. But I, I love the thought of doing it with your church family, of doing it on a Sunday morning in our church experience, saying, you know what, I want to make that step. So in about two to three weeks' time, uh, we're going to have a baptism class um, and if you're interested in baptism and want to take that step, would you, don't delay, don't put it off. Come and talk to me about it. Talk to Pastor Tim, Pastor Joe, um, talk to your friends. Come and see us. We would love to nurture you through. Is that cool? God wants to work in you and he's working in people's lives in this church. Amen. Awesome. We're going to move on. God also wants to work, a move a, a, around you, uh, uh, in and around. You know, we we're created for community. And one question I've been getting is, Brad, what's happening with connect groups? What's happening with connect groups in the life of the church? So I'm going to invite Claire Ordman, our connect group coordinator, to come up with me. And she's going to, I'm going to interview Claire. I'll move this over here. No, I won't because I've got some questions on there. We can, do we want to, we can stand together. We can stand. Yeah, thank you, Claire. Um, can you grab me that mic, Em? If you don't know Claire, you should. Claire is awesome. Rob said, said that too, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Claire, thanks so much that you do serve in Connect Group Coordination. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through a few, just a few questions because we really believe that uh, we are created for community. 
um, that, that God doesn't want us to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. He wants us in community. We know that Jesus lived and ministered out of a small group. He was a big believer in small groups, connect groups. And we see the early church did it as well. So it's on our heart here. Maybe we give a bit of a, a recap of, you've only been in church for same similar time, nearly a year. Yeah. Um, and you came in and there were some existing connect groups. Maybe start with why you value connect groups so much yourself, because I know you're passionate about them. Yes. Well, I find that life is busy and um, more and more as, as I'm getting older, my circle and my time, and it gets smaller and smaller. And so having opportunity to have real heart-to-heart connection with people mm. means a lot. And so having a safe space, a community of people that are like-minded, um, maybe not think everything the same way as you, they might actually help you to grow. Mm. Um, but having a safe place to just walk through the, the highs and the lows of life mm. without a specific agenda is what really uh, sits with me and um, I see that as a part of what a connect group can be mm. for people. Absolutely. And so over this last year, um, it ha- we've, we've had a few challenges with connect groups, with church life in general. I don't know if anybody noticed this thing of COVID that went on uh, during the year <laughs> and different things. So we've had some challenges, but um, ha- and we, we tried to kick off a leader night and I got COVID and then I couldn't even get to that <laughs> night. Um, so I really appreciate your patience. I want to say thank you for just journeying with this and that, that we have a long-term vision on this. It doesn't all have to happen overnight. Um, but tell us about this year, where we're at with Connect Groups and how it's going. So Go. I'd like to just say that when we first started talking about Connect Groups, one of the words we said was organic. <laughs> yes. And um, I think that this year has really just been organic and it has been slow. I mean, personally, our Connect group, we set off to start with and then we all got COVID and it just, for the first term, we couldn't even host a Connect group because mm. there was someone in our household that was sick. So, um, yes, it's it has been slow, but there are groups of people still in this church that are meeting Mm. Um, and there are groups of people that were actually meeting before we even came um, and and sort of launched the idea of of starting a connect group. Um, So there are groups meeting and they're not huge, not all of the groups that we have are huge but that's fine because that actually allows space Mm. um, for people to... It's an intimate space. Mm. Um, When you get together in a connect group, sometimes there doesn't need to be an agenda. Um, Mm. You don't have to hide behind a a scripted study or something. It's actually opportunity to just sit down, ask each other how you're going. And in those spaces, the truth, you can't hide the truth of of what's really happening for you. And if it's it's something to be celebrated, you get the opportunity to celebrate Mm. it. Mm. If it's something that actually you go, hey, look, I just feel like we need to pray about this. Mm. Um, you've got that quiet space or you've got, you've got that opportunity and that time yeah. that's been put aside to, to work yeah. you know, in, and, and pray with each other. Mm. And then it, it, it grows and yeah. um, you can follow through during the week. So, um, yeah, so going back to how it's looking here, it's small, but there are people here that are also willing to open their homes up to serve and mm. and lead a connect space. Mm. So, um, yeah, just encourage you, if you're not connected or if you want to open your, your home, um, if you feel that 
you know, you've got, um, well, you don't even have to have any, any like qualifications other than a heart yeah. to love people. We can check that. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when, when you came there, there was uh, about two existing connect groups that are still yep. going now. And there was a ladies one and there was an existing connect group. And then you guys kicked off the Friday night connect group, which yep. is really great for people dropping off youth. Um, and then Anita kicked off a Thursday morning connect group. Yep. Um, then we have the, am I missing any? The young adults obviously have their, well, they do young adults. The midweeks do midweeks. Yep. Um, so there's, there's, I think, oh, I think I'm missing someone. They'll come back to me, and I'll apologise to them later when it comes back to me. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so there are a few, and there are a few people that have said that they'd like to host, but um, again, just the year, the way it's panned yep. out. So probably next year there'll be yeah. a couple of extra ones to add as well. And so the the, the heartbeat that we Claire and I and and having the leadership have is that connect groups are doing life together. Um, they don't all have to be the same. We're not we don't have to do the same purpose driven book at the same time or the same chapter or whatever for now. But doing life together with with a with a view to grow. So I know your group growing as you grow, you could see it splitting and becoming two more groups. And so I think it's good to know that up front that we'd love to see groups that grow and multiply. Um, and what are the key challenges? What are our key needs? Is it more around leadership going for next year? Leaders and things like that that we're looking for? Um, I'd say leaders, but also just a heart to lean in. I know that life is busy and I know um, don't want to feel like I'm telling or pushing you to join mm. something. But, but be um, baptised. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but to be, um, just to be available um, to carve out some space, um, yep. just um, you don't sort of, um, and regularly as well, yep. I think um, a challenge and COVID has um, probably not helped some of the the, the being able to, yeah. to have a regular pattern yep. as well. So um, yeah. hopefully next year we'll, the, that it will become more of a regular, yep. just a natural, it's going to happen. So I'd encourage you to talk to Claire. She's got a great pastoral heart and also in this space as she forms things and guide things, just talk to her in any form of interest that you're interested in. Um, and just so you know, what we decided on is to, to focus for the last few months on event-based connection. So grazing table, bonfire out of the meddlings. Uh, we had... Uh, other things that have been more event-based because we know that, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're discovering who we are as a church and there's been new people come along and we love celebrating new people and so more of an event-based connection has worked well rather than signing up for six weeks, so to speak. So um, anything you want to add before I... Thank you. Can you put your hands together for Claire for her servant's heart? I'll keep that one. Thank you. Beautiful, going well. God wants to move around you. I'm so, you know, that saying is so true. Who you hang with is who you become. Amen. It really is. You are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with or something like that anyway. But it's so true. That is so true who, who we connect with. And so I'd I want to ask you, challenge you at the end of this, but we've got one more segment, is what's happening in you with the Lord at the moment? What's happening around you? Uh, are you isolated? Uh, is it time to connect and what does that look like? And lastly, God wants to do stuff through you. Uh, in our last slide there, you know, the gospel, the, the call of the gospel is therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, to go. And we're going to celebrate now uh, two people that have gone from one side of Australia to the other side of Australia, one on a bike and one in a truck, sort of bus. So would you put your hands together for Dave, Francis and Laszlo, come up and um, as, and um, 
<laughs> I just want to say from the church, welcome, come forward, welcome home, welcome back. It's been so great. Uh, who's been following the journey? I know I have, coast to coast. Um, I'm going to actually, rather than sort of interview back and forth, I'm going to hand over you for a bit, Dave, just to talk about, um, give us a bit of, I've asked, we've sort of got a bit of a plan here, but we'll see where God takes us. So um, welcome back. We just want to say as a church, I on behalf of the church, well done. And, and thank you for letting us share in this journey. And thank you for the lives and the kids' lives that have been changed, which you're going to share with now a bit more about that. So welcome home. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Jess, can we have a first slide that's what I love numbers, so I thought I'd just throw some numbers up there. I'll get out of the road a little bit. So as of last night, we'd raised $933,000. Wow. And, which, is, which is pretty awesome, right? I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it now. But also add to that the one underneath, which is equal to or more important, that's 174 that are sponsored children, which is an ongoing commitment, which is just amazing. We were after a million bucks, you can... Almost see it if you've got really good eyes, uh, after a million bucks. But if you equate it all into a dollar figure, we raised it, which is fantastic. So a big thank you from us, as far as to you guys. Just some numbers for those people that aren't familiar. So there was 24 riders. There was 11 support staff. We had a, it's what we had, it's what two physios and a film crew involved in that as well. So there's going to be a documentary that will be um, it presented somewhere in January, February sometime. So, uh, so hopefully we'll work that we might even be able to get a screening here or something like that if we can, if we can get that. So that'd be pretty cool to be a part of. We went to roughly sort of 20 churches, that's 20-ish, and that stuff, which is amazing because you see the difference in, I suppose, the church, but sort of God is the same everywhere, right? Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. That, that was his heart right way across the country. And there was... And there were seven support vehicles. So basically there was about 40 people moving from this side of the country to that side. So it's no mean feat to move those amount of people. It's, so total distance was 4,231 kilometres. It's uh, so 28 riding days and five rest days. And I suppose, so there was a few mechanical issues and we made a bit of a joke about it last time. And so, but I had the tally for the most broken spokes <laughs> on two different wheels, which was really frustrating. But fortunately... And so, fortunately, that all happened within the first week, so we could get spares and things like that. And from that point, if it had happened a week after that, I would have been sitting on the bus with lads for a very long time, <laughs> which would have been great anyway. <laughs> hey, lads. Um, the next one, loose screws. That kind of looks a bit weird. I've got a photo <laughs> later, but basically my bike just about fell apart almost mm. about five days into it. So again, that was a provision of God. There were just so happened there was another bike that had the exact right screws that mm. I could use to make it good for about three days before we got spares out. Flat tyres, I only got one, but it, so on the last day there was a guy that got four flat tyres literally in 140 kilometres. So that was a little bit frustrating for him. And I think in total for my team was about 25 flat tyres. I don't know how many on the other... Okay, so it was a competition now, wasn't it? <laughs> so, fantastic. Oh, well, fantastic. So let's make it 40 flat tyres, roughly, <laughs> uh, for 24 rides. But sort of, I suppose those people that um, were around a little while ago, just on that bottom right-hand side for you, so <laughs> there were, I just thought I'd give you a bit of a steel bun update. And so, sort of, that's what, roughly on 12 days I had the steel buns going. Um, it, roughly on 20 days they were very, very sore. And the first day, they were quite soft. So just to give you a little bit of an update, because people keep on asking about my SBs. So for those people, that's a bit of a private joke. 
Can we have the next slide, please? And I suppose, Laz, do you want to talk us through what a rough day was? And that sort of stuff. So our day started, depending on uh, whether you were a supporter or a rider, but most of the riders got up about the same time, about 5.30. Uh, so if we were not in accommodation or a billet, we had to roll up our uh, sleeping gear and pack that away and then get ready for breakfast by 6.30. And so 6.30 we had breakfast, 7 o'clock we would all get, to, actually 10 past 7, roughly, we'd all get together and talk about the ride for the day. So there would be two guys, there was uh, Richard Logan and Dave, who would talk about, Dave would, was our weatherman, and so he relied on, uh, on technology for that, and he was also fairly good at um, guessing what was really going to happen. <laughs> now, one, one thing we could forecast every single day was hills. So that was always a good thing because it gave people the knowledge that if hills are going to be coming. It doesn't matter how big they are, it's a hill. Then we'd talk about the, the route, we'd talk about things to look out for um, and then, yep, the, see the hills, where it goes up? Um, and then we'd be, <laughs> someone would bring a devotion and, uh, yeah, they were, they were very, very, very good. Um, and talking about good, I'm going to divert here for a moment on that. One of the, one of the really good uh, devotions uh, or thoughts that was brought to us was by Mike Jeffs, who is Australian Christian Television Network um, and now operate a broadcast through the good platform, uh, watchgood.com. He talked about the test not being the test. Because this is a test of endurance, both physical and mental. But the test is not the test. The test is our reaction to that test as individuals. And yeah, you've got roughly 40 people from all different personalities and works of life coming together. Man, is that a test or what? You know? So you've got 40 people with the same purpose, the same goal. It's a little bit different way of getting there, some of us. But at the end of it, we, have, we read a story about a child through compassion sponsor, yeah. or someone sponsors through compassion, sorry. And that was mostly heartrending and brought a lot of tears. And at the end of it, we would all say, it is for that today, today we write. Thank you. And we'd all say it together. That was about it. And, oh, and then they'd jump on their bikes, they'd jump in the bus, someone would jump in the truck, and off we go. Fantastic. Uh, next slide, please, Jess. I think these might be yours, Let's. There you go. Do you want oh. to talk us through the next two? The next two? Yeah, the next two slides. Oh, okay. This is the highlight? Highlight? This is the highlight you had? This is the highlight I had. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to hearing you. You haven't told me Oh, yet. right, okay. This is not quite the format we were talking about. You gave me that hint. Yeah, no, I thought you? that was... Yeah, that's all right. Okay. <laughs> we'll right. go with it. So these are a couple of pictures from last year. Um... I wasn't actually going to put this up or anything like it because it, it just wasn't felt on my heart to do that. But then this, this morning, um, when I did the, prepared the other slide as late as usual, um, God put on my heart to think to talk about something different. So that's that's my view from last year, which has not much changed. Trucks passing, a group of riders in front of me, um, going down a long straight road or a windy road or a hilly road. And, it's a bit, and what I got from, from this morning and, and thinking about what, does it, what did that mean for me? Why did I go on the ride? Mm. 
Yeah, it's, it's easy to be a compassion sponsor because all you do is hit the EFT button and send the money. But to not, as, not to the same extent as these guys are writers, but what I felt compelled four years ago when Jen and I started coming to Kalmunda Church to commit myself to the ride four years ago. I didn't know why. I did it in 2019, a short one. Um, and, I, and I put my hand up straight away for this one. And what it is, is it's actually putting my body, my time, my effort, taking myself away from my family, from my beautiful wife, for four weeks to spend on the road with a bunch of people I ha mostly hardly know. And that's about how I get to be able to put my physical body on the line for spreading the word that Jesus is the answer to many of our challenges. And compassion is all about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. So that's what, that's what compassion is about. And that's what we were about in our ride, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name, raising the money, getting more sponsorships, talking to churches and people along the road. Because we get to speak to people. We get to be a small breath of Jesus in their lives as we're on that road. And the road itself is... Because I'm sitting in a bus there and I'm beeping the horn at these guys and telling them what to do. And mostly they don't do what they're asked to do. But that's okay. That's another story. But that's a little bit like me and, G, me and God. Or God and I. I've got a path, a, a track like the map you saw before that God's laid out for me well before I was born. But I will stray off that track from time to time. I won't listen. I won't, I'll, I'll rush here, I'll rush there. I won't do exactly what he's asked me to do. But eventually, he'll pull me back on track. Eventually, he'll get, he'll get me there. And that's, that's the lesson that I got from this ride this year. So get to the other end. We pack up the bus, we pack up the truck, we mostly say our goodbyes. Anyway, I rushed off because all I wanted to do was to get home in four days and, and be home with Jen and back with my church family. But that wasn't to be. So I can just um, put the next slide up, Jess. So I left Newcastle at 10.30. And before I got to my night stop, I had two incidents. I had a broken side window and a brake that decided to... I was selling this and the truck was driving funny. Anyway, so the sum total of that was a delay. And that was on top of the previous day where... Uh, weather stopped me from going on the original path that I was meant to go on. So I got diverted on another path. But these diversions that happen in my life are there for a reason. This particular one was to keep me safe out of the water, but it also got to me to experience the Great Divide in a different way. I had to drive that truck up 500 metres, down 500 metres of elevation, three times. But I got to see God's creation. And then it was other little, little things happened along the road which slowed me up. I ended up being stopped in, a, in another place. It was, got too dark to dry, keep driving. So I didn't make it to where I wanted to be, you know, where I set out to be. That's where I was going to be come, yeah, whatever. But I didn't make it. So I just pulled up, found somewhere, pitched my, my um, stretcher tent and went to sleep. The next day was Sunday, so it's exactly a week today. And I woke up to this. 
Mm. I wake up to this. And this is God showing me creation, but also saying, rest. Mm. Slow down a bit. If you don't slow down, I'm going to slow you down. You know, <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. So I got to, to really experience, I, I slept on the cliffs of the Nullarbor, 20 metres from the edge. That photo there, Jen, I was only a metre from the edge. Not a sleepwalker, Laz. No, I'm not a sleepwalker. <laughs> I get up in the middle of the night, but, but I had the bus parked 20 metres away from the edge, so I was safe. Okay. But yeah, that's, that, that for me is what I got. Creation yeah. is there for us to enjoy, yeah. but we're also there meant to be a disciple for Jesus. Awesome. That's awesome, Laz. Thanks for that highlight. Fantastic. Um, and so I've just got a couple more slides. These are just a bit more about what happened. We've got, we've got lots and lots and lots of stories. The bottom one there is obviously when we left Cottesloe. Um, obviously, this is the longest straight in Australia for those people that have never been there. And it is dead straight. And so this is just um, as far as teams. But this up here, there's so many stories and we could go on for hours about this. But basically, those two ladies in the top right-hand side, so one of the ladies... Uh, it, as far as was a support lady, and then this other lady to the left rocked up, and she just walked over and said, "G'day, what is this all about?" She saw the compassion sign. And a very long story short, and it sort of, it sort of it turns out that her brother was a compassion child back in Kenya, wow. which is pretty awesome. cool. But also <laughs> that lady there was actually brought up in the same village as what she was as well. So there's these so many highlights that we saw day after day after day of just this. Uh, I suppose basket weaving of God really right through the whole trip. Mm. Just amazing. Like I said, we can keep on going. But that was just one real... That was in, that was in Coolgardie, that one. Can we have the next slide, please, Jess? And so these are kind of some fun slides. It means I can get some hang time as well. And that's the stuff in the slides. That was actually at the Eucla Pass. So that was as you, as you go up the top, the Eucla Pass, and you can see the water right in the background there. And so, so when people think Nullarbor, they think you're a long way away from anywhere and you are. You're long way away from civilization, but it's just a beautiful place. Mm. WASA border and obviously Euclid, and that's a very similar photo to obviously where Laz was as well. If we can have the next one, please. And sort of I suppose this is the one that this is the one that really impacted me from a cycling perspective. There should be um, screws in each one of those places. And this was on this was on about day three or four and I got my bike serviced like a good cyclist does. And I, and, and so I was the leader of one of the groups, which is the opposite one to Laz. And so this guy came alongside and he said, I need to go to the toilet. And I went, yeah, so it's 12Ks, can you hold on? And anyway, we had this bit of a back and forth and I said, okay, let's pull in this park bay. So we pull in this park bay and, so, and I'm thinking, okay, this is one of those things, why do we have to stop 12Ks? I'm, I'm being a bit of a grumpy 50-year-old and like that stuff. And then I tried to change gear and I went, Okay, why is it not working? And, and, and sort of these two sections here are the major ones that actually drive everything. You can see the chain in the background. That's a smaller ring. This is the larger ring. And I went, why is it not working? I looked down and went, that's a good reason why it's, yeah, it's not working because that was the only one that was holding my whole bike in place, basically, oh. from the crank, from like the pedals and everything. So that was a God moment right there to say, slow down. <laughs> so when I... Things and also to check my screws next time is the <laughs> other thing. And so this is obviously a photo of my, myself with the family doing some FaceTime 
and Laz did his own washing, Jen, by the way. <laughs> that was at Norseman, so... No, <laughs> we're not going to go into that, Laz. Uh, can we have the next slide, please? And so, again, it, it, it sort of, the roads were dangerous. As soon as we hit New South Wales, if anyone's been in New South Wales on the road, they are really, really dangerous. So that was me just laying in a pothole that was many and varies. It was just huge and, and extremely dangerous. But another thing, that one on the right-hand side, right in the middle of the lady in red, um, she's 84. Her name's Doris. And sort of, she wanted to ride out with us on the next day from... Uh, from Parks, I think it was, because we met her at church. So, so she was sitting there, she rode the first 300 metres and then all of a sudden, OK, thanks for that, see you later, I'm <laughs> off. So that was fantastic because otherwise it would have been a very long day that day because we weren't going that fast. Next slide, please. And I suppose, so I just want to put up some thank yous and that sort of stuff. This fella here just did an amazing job, absolutely amazing job, sitting at 25 k's an hour, sometimes 22 k's an hour, some, sometimes 27 or 28 k's an hour, but just... As far as just the, well, I suppose, just to be able to sit there and actually do that and have all the energy at the end. So thank you so much, Laz, from myself and the team as well. Yeah. It was amazing. We couldn't have done it without you. Literally, we couldn't have done it. And I suppose to my family, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Laz would say the same with Jen and his family as well, to, to say a big thank you because we couldn't do it by ourselves. So... And so that's really the top right-hand side is where all the riders come from and where all the support people come from. So we were yeah, sort of fairly well right over Australia as well. So it was a very much a, yeah, sort of a large base of where we all come from. So, yep. And so do you want me to talk about the last slide? Yeah, yes. I love that. I'm really looking forward to... If you're landing, are you landing on the last highlight yes. for you? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Let's land on that. And I suppose so. It's sort of... This is Lewis. And so I get on the plane, it, so, so we rode into Newcastle on the Wednesday, and so we had a celebration, and I wanted to fly out on the Thursday afternoon after we packed the truck, said goodbye to Laz and all that sort of stuff. So I flew from Newcastle to Melbourne, and so I'm getting on the plane in Melbourne, and I'm thinking like, oh, it's four hours, I wonder who I'm going to sit next to. And so I sit next to Lewis, and I'm going, okay, he looks a little bit different to me, and and I suppose the last four weeks, if you want to put a bit of context, last four weeks, it's been really, really, really full on. And I'm tired. And so I suppose it really was like a two and a half year process, really. So it wasn't just the four and a half weeks, it was the two and a half years before that. And so I'm seeing like, I really don't have a lot of energy. And I'm thinking like four hours, I've just got to get this flight done. And I suppose so... I just said, G'day, hey, how are you going? My name's Dave. And he said, my name's Lewis. I said, tell me a bit about your story. And I suppose the next hour was just, yeah, sort of just amazing. So this guy, Lewis, he was born in Sudan. And so, and so then he proceeded to tell me about his family life. And so, and so speaking to Lewis, he actually said that he was brought up in one of those camps over there as far as I think he lost his parents fairly young. And so his whole family was in one of those refugee camps. And so bear in mind, this is all what we've been doing for the last month. Mm. And I could have sat next to so anyone of 250 people, but I got sat next to Lewis. And I suppose so Lewis is sort of, and again, a long story short, it sort of, it, and so Lewis then asked me what I'd just been doing and I explained it to him. And sort of, he didn't have tears in his eyes, but he said, thank you so much. 
And so it was one of those, I suppose, finishing moments of God for the whole month, for the whole sort of two and a half years, because <laughs> which is which is absolutely fantastic. And he got sponsored not by Compassion, but another organisation mm. to come out to Australia, where he learnt. He, I think he was about 16, 17, so he finished off his schooling and then he went and did his legal studies. And now he looks after people in exactly the same boat that he mm. was. And I think that is the story of compassion as well. Mm. And very much, not just compassion, but these organisations. And I've been privileged and so has Laz to be able to speak to a lot of these people that have been through the program. And that is what they all say. And I suppose so. I, I did talk about 1 John 3, 6, um, 3, 16, 8, but I, I, I really encourage you to reread it again. And that's what... It, and the last one, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, mm. but with action and in truth. And yeah. I think that's really to the heart of what we've been, yeah. what been saying this morning, Brad. So over to you. But that was just an amazing, Mate. I suppose, finish to the whole ride. Must have been incredible to be on, yeah, like you say, all that emotion and then just God to put you right there to go, oh, by the way... Just so you know, this is the type of difference that can be made through what, what has happened. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dave and Laz. Just wanted to close on one thing. Um, Worship team can come up. I, yeah. I was on my own in the bus. There was plans, several plans were made for me to have, have someone come along. Uh, Jen was a bit concerned about it. But you know what? God had it. He always has it. There were so many people praying for my safe arrival. Um, and for safety on the road, it, God is always in there with us, no matter what we're doing. Just like with Dave, with his cog. I mean, if, if that had a, if that had a gone pear shape, mm. anyway. Yeah, God is good. God is good. Take that one down with you, if you like, mate. Thank you. Hey, so as we close, uh, thank you. So I just wanted to highlight that. Number one, also just to honour the ministry and and people locally with us, our family who have just given up and and well done Serena and the kids too for you you guys were part of all that and just so good that uh, look at that nearly a million dollars and and lives changed so fantastic praise God and we got to be a part of it um, so as we close um, I, I want you to stand with me I'm going to pray for us if you're comfortable just to stand and I want to encourage you to challenge yourself from today uh, what is God doing in you at the moment uh, maybe it's a prompting of baptism if that is something, as I said, please come and talk to us. Maybe, maybe what, what is God doing around you? Maybe Kalamunda is going to be the church where you discover what a connect group, a group of people around you meeting regularly, uh, pray together, do life together could really mean for your life. And what is God doing through you? You know, you are not, you know God isn't just uh, got assignments for one person. Every person standing here today, God's got a purpose and a plan for, and he wants a pathway. As Laz was saying, there is a road ahead that he's called you to. So I'm going to pray over us and I'm also going to say grace for the grazing table and we're going to share together. So Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you that you have worked in us and Lord, we want to work out our salvation with a sense of reverent fear, Lord, and a sense that this is a serious thing. We've only got one life to live. We only get one opportunity. These breaths won't last forever and we'll be with you for eternity 
Lord, one day, but let us make the most and redeem the time that we have here. Let us be a church that is letting God work in us, around us, and through us, Father God, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I just speak that over every person. I just want to speak over people that, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you're prompting them to take that step. They're, they're a believer, so be baptized, that you would give them the courage and boldness to take that step, Father. Father, I pray for people that are, are challenged to, to get more connected as we come out of isolation into community. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over us as a church and Lord, over our future, the assignment that you have for us as a church at Kalamunda here. Father, lead us and guide us. We thank you for the grazing table, for the food and the people that have prepared it. So we go out with joy today and we love you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.